Welcome back to the Endless Road Podcast in our series of conversations with Scott Sherrard, the musical director and lead guitarist of the Greg Allman Band. In this segment, we talk with Scott about the writing process involved in developing My Only True Friend into the lead track on Greg's final studio album, Southern Blood. Also in this segment, we'll hear Scott share the story of the moving moment when he first heard Greg sing the Tim Buckley song, Once I Was, from start to finish. For Scott, this was an unforgettable experience happening on the day that Greg shared his terminal diagnosis with him. Now as we begin this segment of the podcast, let's dive into the story surrounding the creation of My Only True Friend, a song that, as you'll hear, started from a dream that Scott had and then over a period of more than two years began to take the form of a powerful farewell letter from Greg. Now, as Scott takes us inside the song, you'll hear how he brought the writing process to the finish line by adding a third verse. The night before the Greg Allman Band recorded My Only True Friend at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals. We pick up our conversation with Scott in Macon at the Allman Brothers Big House Museum as he takes us back to the writing sessions with Greg for Southern Blood. The way it started is we were writing together a lot and we had actually written one song together already, the one that I was talking about before. It was kind of a funky, upbeat, kind of blues tune. Ultimately, we all decided it wasn't fitting for this record once we were in the studio, but we had some momentum. He really liked that song, I liked the song, and we felt like we were working, so I started going to his house to work on songs. When I was at his house, I would stay for a few days. We would stay up late and just eat food and hang out, just have a ball, just crack each other up. And he would tell a lot of road stories. And there was one night in particular where we were talking about the Allman Brothers and Dwayne a lot in the early years on the road and all that. And I went to bed late and I remember having this very vivid dream and you wake up and you can remember the dream like it was a movie you saw. And I shot out of bed and I had this dream and these lines that were coming to me from the dream and I realized it was a dream where Dwayne and Greg were having a conversation. You know, Dwayne was saying these things to Greg and one of the things was you and I both know the road is my only true friend and it's the first two lines of the song were also things that were shooting through my head. So I ran downstairs, we had our acoustic guitars lying on his couches and I grabbed one of them and I ran out on the porch because I didn't want to make too much noise because it was like five, six in the morning or something like that. It was sunrise. As the sun was coming up over the boat slip in the swamp, I started playing that intro, that minor intro. And then I had the lines and I was like, how am I going to find the lines? And I hit that B minor. And as soon as I hit it, you and I both know, you know, and that, and then it went right there. And I forget, I had something else he put in our river. I had something else. We both, you and I both know our love will flow to an end, I think was it. And he put river in later. Keep me in your heart, keep your soul on the mend. And then I had, you and I both know the road's my only true friend. But I didn't have like other chords. I had those, the chords to the verse, the chords to the intro and those lines. Mm -hmm. So when he woke up many hours later, I grabbed him and I said, you can't even fucking eat breakfast. You've got to hear this. So I played the intro and then I sang him the melody and the words as you hear them on the record for the verse. And then I stopped and I said, you and I both know the road's my only true friend. And he goes, we have a song. He goes, stop the presses, this is our song. And this is before he told me he was terminally ill. When I first saw the album art, I almost fainted because the image of the album cover is the boat slip with the sun coming up. And I didn't tell anybody this fucking story. Somebody's hand was guiding this guy and I'm just a conduit for some shit that was guiding him. 
So then months later, they're doing the Beacon Theater with the Allman Brothers, second to last run. And I go to his hotel to continue work on this song. I get to the room and the vibe is all fucked up. I just felt like something was amiss and Chank was there and he was a little bit more dour. I mean, Chank is such a positive, like awesome dude. Like he was a little bit dour that day. I was like, wow, that's weird. I wonder what's going on. Well, Chank actually did sit me down first and he was like, look, you know, Greg's gonna be out in a minute. I had to wait like an hour for him to come out of his room in the suite. And then Chank left and Greg came and sat down and he told me, you know, basically that he had been told that at that time, I think they told him he had like months to live or something, you know, so this, he still had two or three years to go, but we thought it was imminent. So, and it was very emotional for us. And it, it kind of, we crossed a line that day. And I said, well, look, you know, we don't have to work, you know, we can just hang out or I can leave or whatever. And he's like, no, it's important. We work. So then we started to work and, and I have this piece of paper at home, by the way, we had, we had paper out everywhere, we were writing words and we had a pre-chorus written and he reached over and I'll never forget when we were working that day, I don't remember which part of the day it was, but he reached over at one point and he crossed out the entire pre-chorus and I was like, oh shit, because I thought we had something. And then he wrote in around it, I hope you're haunted by the music of my soul when I'm gone. And then I said, okay, now it's Greg. And then. I spent the next year looking at the song as a conversation between the two of them. We already had the second verse. I had written the second verse during that first writing session yeah. and brought it to him. And then he started working the pre-choruses and the chorus and then we started to, you know, it was a real collaboration. Like it took a lot of work to get it hammered out. With all that work in mind, we are in Muscle Shoals at Fame. We've been running this song with the band endlessly. We've played it live twice. Both times we played it live, the audience went crazy. Greg didn't seem particularly thrilled with it. You know, and I couldn't tell if it was because, you know, with Greg, no matter what the material was, if it was new, like Love Like Kerosene, it took him a long time to find his footing with that, even to the point where we recorded it a second time because he felt like that was a better tempo. And that's part of his brilliance, but it was also part of like, it was idiosyncratic compared to other musicians who are lesser, but when he would hit it, he would hit it like no one could. So you would deal with it because it was a process. And in that process, he was frustrated with the song. He kept saying during the recording session, it's missing something. Cue Mark Quinones, who comes up to me and goes, man, you gotta write a third verse for this song. And Mark had even sketched out something for a third verse, just as something to sort of inspire me to be like, look, dude, you can go back to your room and write something. So that night in Muscle Shoals, I went back to the hotel and I was up late. With writing, it's always blind inspiration for me. It's very rarely pure craft. And this assignment was like pure craft to me. And I was honestly getting to a point with the song where I was almost feeling hopeless about it. Because I felt like it was great and perfect for what we were dealing with. But I honestly probably came up with these lines because of my desperation to finish it. Still on and on I roam. It feels like home is just around the bend. Yeah. I've got so much left to give, but I'm running out of time, my friend. Yes. So that was my story just as a writer, you know, when you think about it, right? But for him, it was the story of his life and it didn't even occur to me. Yeah. So, so I gave it to him at the session and he reads it. He stands there and he reads it a couple of times and he goes, all right, let's do it. <laughs> it's like, really? And he, then he sang within, it was either that take or the next take yeah. is the one on the record. I had a friend of mine that many years ago interviewed Greg. I set up the interview and he interviewed him. And Greg said something to, me, to him. He said, well, Greg, he said, he said, Greg, how do you write a song? You sit down and write a song? And he looked at him and he goes, well, he says, he says, I don't sit down and write a song. He says, a song just kind of writes me. 
Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, true of his youth, but yeah. that was not true of his later life. That's how he wrote when he when he was when he was here. When he wrote Midnight Rider, Dreams, I mean, Whipping Post, when we were talking the classics, yeah. those were lightning rod moments for him. You know, they were moments where it was like out of the blue, bam, Melissa was like that. He heard, you know, you know the story, right? He yeah. heard a woman chasing her little girl yeah. and yeah. called yeah. Melissa and he was like, song. Yeah. And I've had that experience as a writer too, but I've never had songs become like instant classics like that. You know, no. You got time. Yeah, I mean, his process as he became older and wiser, he became much more picky. And you have to remember, Greg had a lot of talent besides being a songwriter. I mean, he's a master interpreter of song. Mm -hmm. Nina Simone and Frank Sinatra were not known as songwriters, right? I yes. mean, they're known as song interpreters Abs first. Absolutely. And he wore both hats. Absolutely. Well, so in later in life, he put the interpreter hat on more often because yeah. he was gun shy of writing, I well, think sometimes. Well, and to your point, Southern Blood is the perfect example of that. As Don has said in his interviews, yeah. he made a Jerry Garcia song become his. He made... The Tim Buckley song. Oh, I, that's, what I was, that's where I was going to go. Pure it, magic. Yeah. My understanding during that discussion that you guys had about his diagnosis, did he actually play that song for you during that time? Yeah, during that day. We were working and, and he took a break and he started playing. I had heard him play in the dressing room pieces of this thing and I never asked him about it. I thought it sounded beautiful, but I didn't ask him. And then that day with that atmosphere in the room, he played and sang the entire song for me. At the end, I said, Greg, please tell me you wrote that song. And he goes, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> that was the first thing he said. He said, I'm sorry, I didn't. I said, who the fuck wrote this amazing song? He goes, Tim Buckley. I said, Tim Buckley wrote this? I said, the way you sing it, you know, it would never have occurred to me. My dad is like a guitar player, singer, and he played a lot of folk, as much folk as he did blues and rock and roll. And, you know, Buckley was one of those, like, sort of classic, legendary folk singer heroes i didn't realize that that song could be what greg made it so i said you you need to record this song and we need to start playing it live and he's like oh man i don't know you know i don't know if it's gonna fit and, da, da, da. and it took forever and that also right to the end when we were in the session i started getting mad at him because we were getting late in the game and i said bro once i was <laughs> once i uh, once i was come on and then we got him to do it and that's my favorite song on the record Period. For me, that's the song. It's because that moment when he played the entire song for me, I said, I will never forgive myself if he does not share this with the world. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Endless Road Podcast. Be sure to check out all the segments that are available for the Endless Road Podcast series with Scott Sherrard. To stay up to date with the Endless Road Podcast series and the latest news on Scott, please visit scottsherrard.com. In addition to news and information, this website lists the upcoming tour schedule and ticket info for Scott and the Brickyard Band. Check it out. Visit scottsherrard.com today. Yeah.